Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 322. I am Peter, and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what the heck is up, Denny's? <laughs> this is a comic book podcast, a DC comics podcast. Uh, our, th- our third person, Connor, still not Who? here. Still, still <laughs> Very good Yo, question. Yo, I haven't seen Connor in months. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you're waiting on Patreon books, don't worry. Um, Connor is going to be recording the August Patreon books that he owes um this coming tuesday so they'll be spliced into next week's episode if uh, if they aren't uh, day and date comics you should just do september while you're at it <laughs> well i think the hope is that you'll be on an episode sometime in september to uh to do it live is it like he's, he's he's 0 for 1 right now <sighs> that that is true that is true but we'll see how it goes Welcome everyone to Comments from the Multiverse. Coming up on this week's show, we'll be talking about Dark Crisis, Issue 4, Batman 127, The New Champion of Shazam, Issue 2, Flashpoint Beyond, Issue 5. I assume Matt's going to talk about Poison Ivy, Issue 4. I am. I never actually asked him, but I just assumed he was. And uh, Dark Knights of Steel, Tales from the Three Kingdoms, Issue 1, rounds out this week's list of books. So, uh, there you go. That's what's happening. Um, it's also worth mentioning, this is not really related to DC, but it is going on as we record, uh, D23's big panel that's going to have a bunch of uh, 20th century studios and Marvel stuff is happening. They just finished the Lucasfilm stuff with Indiana Jones 5, I think. Uh, so if something huge comes out of that, we might like stop and do a bit of breaking news, even though... Yeah. Just because it's interesting, rather than, <clears throat> not because it's relevant necessarily, yeah. but, you know, nerd shit's going on. Yes, indeed. Yes. Um, yeah, the, the Star Wars part was boring. I, I mean, they, I wasn't really paying that they, much attention. But. Well, they didn't. Uh, they didn't have a panel at Comic Con, right? So this is their panel. Uh, Star Wars? No, uh, Marvel in general. Like, uh, no, Marvel did not remember the big Phase they, Five and Six slides. Man, I don't remember. I I might have <laughs> got slightly concussed playing football today. I caught a short arm lariat bringing in the ball. Because they they, so. they showed the entirety of Phase 5, and they showed a couple of Avengers movies from Phase 6, so maybe the rest of Phase 6 will be Oh, that's today. right. Yeah. It, yeah, that's right. It's all the timey-wimey stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the multiverse yeah. shenanigans, so... Uh, maybe there'll be something juicy. I mean, honestly, I'm more interested in the 20th Century Studios part, just in case they do any Alien or Predator stuff, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's going on right now as we record. We, we, so. we just had a good uh, Predator movie. We need another good Alien movie. It's been far too long. Well, hopefully the TV show's good because they're mm-hmm. uh, uh, Noah Hawley's working on a show. What uh, what is that going to be on? Uh, Hulu uh, okay. slash FX. So you know that kind of cool. Which I think's a f- okay home for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that just reminds me. I've I have a new season of What We Do in the Shadows to watch. So do I. Yeah, I I've not yeah. watched season four yet. Yeah. Me neither. I kept threatening it, and I was like, "Yeah, but if I really like this, then I'm gonna be out of luck." Because, but yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah. So. Yeah, Feige's on stage right now. Just for the record, so I guess they're doing Marvel before the end. <laughs> Remember when we didn't know how to say his name? Now he's ubiquitous. <laughs> uh. Yeah, there was a. I actually I saw something yesterday or two days ago. Marvel the first day D twenty three was there was like a Simpsons joke. They made like a little short where they were announcing a Simpsons cinematic universe, and it was just Homer doing some like Feige related jokes. But he, he mispronounced his uh, name, which is why I thought of it when you said that's that's pretty great. Uh. No, uh, I was feeling a little down the other day, 
And there was something that got brought up that reminded me of uh, Sideshow Bob. So I went back and watched some Sideshow Bob episodes. Um, early Simpsons still lands. Like however many years later, 25, 26, those jokes still land. So it's good to know that they're still trying to be relevant. Yeah, I mean, this little short I saw yesterday was the most Simpsons I've seen in 20 years. Uh-huh. Uh, that's, not, that's not true, because that's before the... I saw the movie when it came out. So yeah, I, I, that's the last thing I really remember. So I've been with my wife now for about 15 years. That's about the cutoff of watching The Simpsons regularly. Um, but yeah, we went and saw the movie, and the movie underwhelmed, so it didn't I, bring me back in. You know, I saw the movie, but when I went to see the movie, because I, I wasn't even planning to see it, I just mm-hmm. people were going and said, you want to come? I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, I think at that point I hadn't watched a Simpsons episode in at least five years when the movie yeah. came out. You know, it, it'd been a long time for me even at that point. Um, I still try to go out of my way to watch the Treehouse of Horrors because those are always fun. Um, but other than that, it's you know, I don't know if the jokes land. People are saying that it's good still, but I forget that it's on. Honestly, I don't watch a lot of of TV live anymore, so unless it's sports, but. But yeah, so sometimes I forget. Yes. They've started off the Marvel section of the panel with a live performance of Rogers the Musical from the Hawkeye show. So... Those poor people. Yeah, good luck with that. They're they're all there for Marvel news and they're getting subjected to a subpar musical performance. This is when they're going to announce Rogers the Musical. (laughs) Oh, I would certainly hope not. Um... All right, well, uh, maybe something will happen in 10 minutes, so it killed time. There's always time for a Comixology Top 10, everyone. Oh, I got this. I got this one this week. Oh, you, you do? You, you feeling yeah. confident? I'm feeling I'm feeling comfortable. Well, uh, as per usual now, they split up the, uh, the, the, the days, so we'll be looking at DC on its own, and then we'll have a quick glance at the rest of the industry from the Wednesday. Uh, so what do you think number one is, Matt, from DC this week? It's Batman 127. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Dark Crisis. Dark Crisis issue four is uh, right now on Comicsology, the best selling DC I, comic. In my head, more people are still pulling Batman than they're pulling um, Dark Crisis. So I took a gamble and I lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, number two, of course, is Batman. Uh, one, two, seven. Number three is Flashpoint Beyond issue five. Ooh. Uh, and we actually have a Marvel book, believe it or not, on Tuesday, uh, because it was a graphic novel, uh, Fantastic Four Full Circle by Alex Ross. Oh. That's number four. Um, and then there's some manga book <laughs> called Abe Coon's Got Me Now, Volume 9, <laughs> is number five. <laughs> and number six is Dark Knights of Steel, uh, the one shot. Number seven is The New Champion of Shazam. Um... Uh, you know, I'm sad that Shazam especially is underneath <laughs> volume 9 of the manga, but, you know, whatever. Uh, it sells, apparently. Uh, number 8 is Batman Dear Detective, which is the, the Bahamo kind of, like, covers that have been turned into a... Story. A story. Uh, number 9 is a book called The Babysitter's Club. Uh, or it's a, I did not know they were making comics of that. Yeah, uh, Jesse's Secret Language is the particular title of, of this one. Uh, number... I can't tell my wife. She's going to make me get it for her. Yeah, number 10 is Poison Ivy issue 4. Um, and there's only one thing left that was released on Tuesday, and it is Batman Beyond Neo Year. So 
that is the worst selling Tuesday book of, yeah. of the week. Uh, just just to check in on the Wednesday stuff to see, to see what Marvel and others are uh, are up to. Uh, number one from Wednesday is Immortal X Men issue six. Number two is Axe Death to the Mutants. Uh, is this like a, a tie in? Yeah, that, that's your two. Yeah, it's the Avengers versus X Men thing they're doing. No, I know, but uh, that's the main book's Axe, whereas I'm like, this is a, a mini that's tying into it. Oh, that wasn't the full title. I, that, that was the full. No, no. That, this is a three issue mini tying into the main book. And then you got Marauders issue six at number three. Number four is Wolverine issue 24. Um, okay. I know Percy was hyping up the oversized issue 25 on Twitter today. I saw mm-hmm. that. Uh, number five is New Mutants issue 29. Um, the X books are selling very well right now, apparently. Shocking. <laughs> that's the. I mean, actually, yeah, even the events part X-Men, so all five of that top five on Wednesday are all X-Men related in some form. Uh, number six is She-Hulk issue six. Uh, number seven is Once in Future issue 29. And number eight is All Out Avengers issue one. Number nine is Moon Knight issue 15. And number 10 is Punisher issue six, uh, which is of 12. That's a, that's a mini uh just missing the top 10 is some non-superhero stuff you got a star trek book issue 400 even of star trek which is wow. written by will wheaton <laughs> is number 11 You'd love uh, to see it yeah and alien issue one is number 12 wait they renumbered alien already <laughs> What's and happening? it's a different yeah and it's a different um artist so you might want to check this out i might want to check this out yeah Different artist, but it's still Philip K. Johnson, which is obviously a good thing, but it does make me wonder if you still have to, or if you still should read the, the previous volume to, you know, because f- it maybe follows on in some way. Right. Not that it's an anthology, because I clicked on it, but it's a brand new, it says Icarus Part 1 of 6. Okay. So, um, I just, it I just, doesn't I just, make it sound. I yeah. just wonder if it's still kind of spiritually a sequel in some way, and if you, yeah. you'd be better off reading it. I meant to be easier to do now that it's all out. Uh, to go back and redo the previous. Yeah, so it says it's an express, or it says, Philip uh, Kennedy Johnson and Julius Oda launch a new alien epic. Man, machine, and the most terrifying creature of the universe is an express elevator to hell, and you're going to want to be on it. Doesn't sound like that. That sounds terrifying. A small colony of synths have settled into a secret backwater moon when a company of United System soldiers come for them, come to them to, uh, to help retrieving biotechnology and hostile planet. That could be the key to saving humanity. The sense must decide whether the prospect of peace between man and machine is worth the risk of betrayal. Sounds also like it's a Blade Runner tie-in. Talking about sense instead of replicants? Mm. Wayland Utani's up to something? I'm always down for more alien material, yeah. typically. Uh, although the last couple of movies have been some of the most depressing days of my life. But that's, you know, that's... That's... <laughs> that's, that's you know, there. Uh, good hey. thing Connor's not here to make the, the David joke. We got a new good Predator movie for the first time in my life. I mean, that's not technically true. Predator Two. I was I was two years old when that came out. But that doesn't you know, count, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, from from a, an adult or even just like a from an old enough you know conscious level to care for the first time in my life, I got a good Predator slash Alien movie, and life's life's too good it feels too I, I, like uh, it's all downhill from here i think i, I, don't, I don't know where you go next um okay so there you, there you go that's the top let's go it's all just top 10 uh you know it's a pretty i mean everything's pretty like boring almost to an extent right now because marvel x-men pretty much mm-hmm. is all top sellers dc batman and events uh and maybe occasionally some uh something else you know 
So. Yep. So. I'm just looking at the Indiana Jones news right now. <laughs> of course you are. A, a trailer was shown. So. For Indy 5. And they didn't have a title still? Still no title yet. You'd think with a the trailer they'd have a title to tack on at the end of it. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, I was looking for a text from Alden that maybe he had a, a camera quality for me. Ah. Uh, oh well. Nothing yet. Yeah, they're doing a Black Panda, Wakanda Forever stuff just now. Just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we'll check in between each book or whatever. <laughs> see, see what, we'll see what they've shown off. Um, yeah, so that's the top 10. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I have had a couple of rough days as far as getting to sleep goes. Um, things I've wanted to do, I've not been able to. Um, you know, I, I've done all right, but <laughs> it's, 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 it's been a tumultuous co- couple of days. So, yeah, I'm just tired because I went and saw wrestling and then went and played football, and I I need a nap, and my throat hurts. Also, I'm pretty sure I said turbulent instead of turbulent. So, yeah, I wasn't gonna bring it up because you're tired. So, you know, I don't want to kick a man while he's down. It took me like five seconds to notice I said it, but it it it, it did click eventually. So, <laughs> just know if Connor was here, he wouldn't have let it slide. Oh, I know. He's too yeah. busy looking after his new kitten today to what. Yes. See, his girlfriend decided that she wanted a cat. So now, <laughs> so now there is he deathly allergic. <laughs> we can hope. Now he now because he was the only person who does shows for male fuzz in any mm-hmm. capacity that didn't have a cat, and now he does. So everyone has a cat now. Yeah, mine's right here. She's yeah. just chilling. You get a cat. Tara's got a cat. Tim's got two cats. I got yeah. three cats. David's about to start. David's about to start doing a show. He's got a cat. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got a cat. Yeah. As it should be. That's when he said he's really allergic to he calls them evil creatures. <laughs> and if that's true, we know what Paige's game is. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so, uh, so follow Connor's Twitter uh, if you want to uh, keep tabs on his, uh, his new cat dad life, which he's miserable about. Uh, so maybe we'll even see it on one of the episodes it'll invade the 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 recording and we can all enjoy kitty time hopefully it just causes chaos i mean i'm always for that of course yes uh so oh cool um all right without further ado i think we can dive into the books then uh this week so uh we'll start off with dark crisis issue four Joshua Elmson writing with Daniel Sampier on the art. Um, obviously, this is the big event going on right now. Uh, and this issue is a pretty solid mid-chapter in that it's kind of advancing all the various threads that are going on. Uh, it has a kind of a big ending that's, you know, nothing necessarily new or special for an event like this because it's, you know, it's, oh, the Infinite <laughs> Crisis is reborn. <laughs> like, here it's, we go. Yeah, it's a, it's a crisis to its T. Yeah. Like... It's almost like this is paying homage to the original Crisis on Infinite Earths. I mean, they all have so. to some extent. Let's be honest. Yeah, but this this one feels especially so. So. I mean, that's uh, just because Pariah is the villain, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's really making you think of that more than any other ones have. Uh, so yeah, it starts off Hal's in the fake Green Lantern world where John Stewart's been kept. Um, 
And lo and behold, Barry comes running in. So this was this was timed nicely with the flashbook where Barry has yeah. just become, you know, aware of where he is and he's looking, he's running through all these worlds and he ex- <laughs> I, I do like his entrance here where, uh, you know, he says, you you may say Hal's brave and then, you know, turn the page and it's him running in and bold. I think the way he pops with the green background because everything in this world's a construct uh, does mm-hmm. look quite nice. So Looks nice. Also, the amount of disrespect Hal has for Kyle and, and John and the like was very hilarious to me. Yeah. And I don't know why. Well, because uh, they're, they're not real. This is not real. Kyle. Yeah, I know, but I just, I found it funny. Just, just, he was shooting from the hip. Hmm. Yeah, so so Barry kind of contextualizes things a bit here. All oh, the Justice League girls split up into these worlds, and we have to go get them. Uh, so it was nice to have Barry and Hal interact. It felt kind of old school. Felt nice it's, to have this friendship back. I feel like it's been a minute since we've seen them. It does. It does feel like it's been Cause, a while. Because Hal's Hal's been off doing whatever, in in whatever book. So, um, and you know, and Barry's been busy. So yeah, yeah. So. We cut to the sort of the current whatever exists of a Justice League on Earth, which is your know, John and Mister Terrific and Donna and uh, some of the JSA are there, uh, and they're, they're talking about this dark energy at the end of the edge of the multiverse, which is behind everything, the great darkness, all that stuff, uh, and we get kind of into you know there's maybe more to it implied in this issue that mm-hmm. the dark, so the great darkness in theory shouldn't really have a motive. You know, they compare right. it to like the night sky. The night sky and shadows don't have a motive; they just simply are. It's almost right. like something's corrupted the Great Dark, which sounds like we're going to get a big villain reveal <laughs> later on, doesn't Something, it? Yeah. So they were talking like before there was everything. There was the Great Darkness, but the the Great Darkness just is, right? Like it it just exists. There's it's not good. It's not bad. It has no goals but to exist, and someone is weaponizing it. So uh, I thought that was a, a nice. Um, so that was a nice little twist, especially considering what we've gotten from like the right hand of darkness and what it did to dark side. It's like, who could be this powerful to wield this? Yeah, I, I don't know right now. I suspect it will probably be a big reveal maybe at the end of the next mm-hmm. issue, given that we're not there yet. But uh, we have Nightwing feeling horrible about Gar, who's lying in a hospital mm-hmm. bed. Uh, and we get a, a great little scene with him and Alan Scott, which... It's it's really nice to have the GSA interacting with these characters being part of the world again, but it's especially yep. nice because we know they're getting a book <laughs> after this, so it's not like... Because yeah. I think part of me would be worried that it it would maybe be like, okay, they're here, but they're going to be kind of dead at the end of the event or something, because you know, DC don't want to keep them around in any like yeah. long-term capacity. It's nice to know that in some way they're going to be still be around afterwards, so that I don't have to worry mm-hmm. about it. It's, it's well, comforting. And, yeah, and Alan brings back, since coming back from Earth Omega... So that that's in storyline where they've been, yeah, is on that other Earth that we saw at the end of the last event, um, which which I had to go back and remember because it's not like it's been addressed properly since then. No, it's been a while. Uh, I did like a couple of uh, lines of dialogue here. Um, you know, he's trying to give Dick this pep talk to come back and sort of like you know lead the the troops as it were. Um, but he talks about how these young characters working with the the, the old ones, these legacy characters. Uh, they want to show that they can carry the legacy of those who have fallen, and he puts his hand on Dick's shoulder and says, but we need the one who did it first. And, you know, I, I, we always love when uh, Dick's kind of respected as the original yep. legacy character, because he is, you know, he was the first, yeah. you know, Robin he was is, introduced in, what, Batman or Detective? Like, it's in that I, first batch of issues. Yeah, I, I feel like I should know, but I don't. 
Like it's it's early in the first golden age omnibus. It's it's quite early yeah. on, you know. But yeah, I do like that, and it makes him feel more important. Like he's a keystone of the DCU. Um, and and especially coming from Alan Scott, who's but like when I think of Golden Age, it's him and Jay Garrick that come to mind first. Yeah, that's the two I think of first. So that coming from him makes it feel that much special. Yeah, so you know, this is all very nice. You know, Dixon's silhouette for a lot of this because he's you know he's been moody and dark, and it's you know it's almost like for a moment he's forgetting that he's Dick Grayson and not Bruce Wayne. <laughs> he's sitting in the yeah. shadows, you know. Uh, uh, so we get a continuation of the Legion of Doom stuff where Black Adam goes to them because he doesn't believe the young heroes can can do what's necessary. And, <laughs> this uh, jerk. Yeah, well, so I actually kind of liked how this progressed where he comes here, he's trying to convince them, Luther and all, that, to, to help fight Deathstroke and co because they're, they're <clears throat> working for the Great Darkness and yep. this is not good for us. We should do something about it. Um, and basically what happens is Deathstroke and all of his army who notably are all in black chains, so it's you know it's like they're all being controlled in some way. Right. Uh, come and fight the Legion of Doom. So we effectively get the attack on Titan's Tower, but with the Legion of Doom here, and um, just mm-hmm. this big battle of the villains, which eventually <laughs> leads to what looks like all of the Legion of Doom also being infected with the Great Darkness. So yep. presumably next issue, they're all going to be under the the control of it. Right. So they they didn't fare any better than, or they they actually fared less better than the Titans did. So, being that they got all infected. Yep, yeah. Um, so, real quick, it was Detective 38 that he came in. So, all 11 right, so. issues. It was within that first year. Yeah. I, I knew it was super early. It wasn't long at <laughs> yeah. all. Uh, so, um, yeah. And, you know, you got Pariah, and he's basically saying that, you know, Barry and Hal think they're they're helping by going and getting mm-hmm. all the Justice League members, but them running through the various universes he's made is actually speeding up the process and the spread of the great darkness is also fueling his new multiverse which he's building so he's sort of cackling and laughing uh flash and barry get to an earth where he believes batman is here in this sort of like clock looking mm-hmm. world uh there's like gears very, everywhere. yeah very what's, what's the word i'm looking for art deco mm. steampunk earth which I gotta give Bruce credit. I wonder for if that, they're that being his ideal planet. See, I, I'm wondering if there's a swerve here that it's not really. This is not the real Bruce this year because we've not had Batman's one shot yet to confirm mm-hmm. that this is his real world. So I'm wondering if they're going to pull a swerve on us where this isn't really him. Maybe, but when they give us peaks of the rest of them, it looks like the ones that we've seen in like it, no, it, it does. solicits. So um, it, it does. You know, it matches up with the Superman one that we've seen already mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But. I was just thinking, oh, maybe they're going to swerve us here just because we don't really know if yeah. this is Batman's real world yet, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, and then we have uh, Alan Scott taking uh, our, our, our... Well, it's not really the Trinity, the young Trinity, because it's not Damien. No. It's, it's, it's Dick yeah. with Superman and, and Yara, but Yara. He, he takes them to see uh, Justice League Dark, uh, who are all drunk and miserable <laughs> about well, what's going on. It's, it's Bobo and Constantine who, let's be real, that's kind of their default states. Well, yeah, Man Bat's not there anymore, though. Uh, yeah. Zatanna's apparently dead. So, <laughs> well, they have they have a Harry Potter picture of Zatanna because you don't want to make statues with magic people because that always ends up. Which that made me laugh. Um, that's the number of times we've seen statues used as weapons um, against our heroes is funny, but but yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Swamp Thing's there. In fact, two Swamp Things are there. Presumably the, the newer one that is referenced here has to be Levi. 
Yeah, but they never call him by his name. They call him like the Sproutling. Yeah. Well, they never call the other one Alec either. So I mean, we don't really, you know. Oh, that's true. We we just have to take it for. But, <clears throat> so I I don't know. But he says he's only yeah. been in his role a brief time. So unless right. they're trying to pull some sort of weird thing later, I have to assume this is Levi from. It's got to be Levi. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Swamp Thing references the previous crisis and all, all that stuff. Um, we get more of the fight between uh, the Legion of Doom and mm-hmm. Deathstroke's forces. So there's just, there's a lot of build-up in this, and then, it, you know, it wraps up with, as the Legion of Doom are being affected, this is kind of fueling what Pariah is doing. And the final page is the, you know, the the infinite Earths are reborn, and it's all the Earths coming out of his hand. Um, I, I quite enjoyed this issue as a middle chapter. It doesn't necessarily have, like, a full story, on its own that it feels satisfying mm-hmm. by the end, but I liked all of the teases uh, in it throughout. You know, it had three plot threads, it kept them all going, and by the end I felt like I got a reasonable chunk of, of, the, of the story. Uh, ultimately, this is the kind of chapter that we'll read better once you can read the whole thing together. Uh, mm-hmm. Just by its nature, that's what it is. But um, I thought the cliffhanger at the end was was fun, and you know, felt classic, multi- you know, crisis DC cliffhanger. So I was into that. Um mm-hmm. And I, I'm always for putting Dick on a pedestal, so, you know, anything that, you know, any character's giving him a pep talk where they talk about why he's important, I'm always a sucker for it. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting that it's it's a Swamp Thing that brings up remembering Alexander Luther. Mm-hmm. Because what we've seen in, in the other Swamp Thing books, how he can kind of, or in Justice League Dark, he can travel between the green, between the multiverses. So I wonder if that's going to come into to play maybe later, because uh, the green's all connected at a certain level. Also, bringing up Alexander Luther here, um, which this seemed to be his goal in the original, or in, in Infinite Crisis, was to bring back the multiverse. And he, that could be a seed, yeah, for... And he kind of did <laughs> no, it. <laughs> no pun intended, since we're talking about gotcha. something. Uh, uh, but he kind <laughs> of did it with the whole 52, but uh, unit or Earth's but not fully. Who knows? So, Al- Alexander Luther could be the influence that's somehow, you know, controlling right. the Great Darkness. I, I think, you know, obviously that's the, you know, we, I glossed over that when we got to the Swamp Things because we already talked about the, uh, the, the, the debate about how, because because it's from that scene that it comes up that the Great Darkness isn't supposed to right. have a motive or right. uh, have a purpose. It just, it just is. It's just a simple thing that exists and it's always going to exist and that's okay, but it's being controlled and used for something. Um, so, it's, it's this weird Ouroboros thing where, like, having it turn out to be Alexander Luther is kind of fun, and it'll give me, you know, I'll, I'll pop for it a little bit, and yeah. we'll have some fun reading it. But there is kind of this, like, self-consuming like thing of, like, oh, we're doing Alexander Luther again in a crisis with Pariah mm-hmm. again in a crisis. Like, like, <laughs> like it's, it's yeah. always going to be revealed to be something it was before instead of, you know, doing something genuinely kind of new with the concept. Well, so uh. Also, Williamson knows, like, his continuity and he knows his dc history and i feel like that might just be a red herring because like i still don't know oh, yeah. what, could, what could be like because alexander luther could could transmute matter and stuff right but like for him to be able to wield the great darkness and and beat dark side that would put him at like omnipotent godlike levels and i don't know if that's the story ah well this year I'll put it, I will say this, I think whoever's controlling the Great Darkness or whoever's infected it, I don't mm-hmm. think that's a character who was already that powerful. I think it's someone who is mm-hmm. now more powerful mm-hmm. than they used to be, if that makes right. sense. 
And I, and I just think it's someone that's in the shadows. I don't think, like, you know, whoever can manipulate uh, Pariah. But that's why I just think that it's, you know, them bringing Alexander Luther up here and then just that's what he wanted in, in Infinite Crisis was to bring back his multiverse because this Earth didn't, you know, deserve. And he, you know, weaponized uh, Superboy Prime to punch reality and all that stuff. So um, I think similar goals. Uh, but so, yeah, someone's working for Aya. Yeah. Um yeah, well, that's, that's worth mentioning, though, just to clarify, uh, it's not necessarily directly influencing Pariah, because it was established last issue that Pariah's kind of got his own goals that are separate from the darkness that he thinks mm -hmm. he can get away with. Right. So there's something that's infected the the Great that's Darkness, but Pariah might not be doing exactly what the Great Darkness wants. Um, right. No, at least, at least right. he thinks. I mean, maybe he's right. played into the Great Darkness's hand. Or whoever's yeah. behind the Great Darkness, he's played into their hands. But at the end of the day, he's just trying to bring his Earth back, right? Like that's that's his goal. Uh, well, not necessarily. Prior, right now, wants to just create infinite Earths. He, he wants to, right. you know, make tons of them. I, I think my expectation, if it's not Alexander Luther, is that whoever it is, hopefully, is a surprise and it, the motive makes sense. But I yeah. don't think it's someone who already had this kind of omnipotent power. I think it's going to be someone mm -hmm. who either died seemingly or went away in a previous event or big story that is being brought back for this and is like, oh, when I died, I went into the ether and I started to take control because now I'm not a man or anymore yeah. or whatever. Something like that. I mean, I don't know who, but... I don't know either. I don't. No one comes to mind, but I'm sure... I'm sure when it's all be revealed, we'll be like, ah, okay. I hope so, because right there is a chance it will land like, oh, that's who it, okay, alright, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a chance it will not be a, well, a good reveal. I, I would start bringing Zero Hour into stuff, but we'll get to that when we get to Flashpoint Beyond, because I feel like all the timey-wimey stuff that would normally handle that kind of stuff is happening over there now. Yes. Um, so this is the, you know, one feeds into the other, but one just feels like um, not even an explainer, but it, it just they're, they're separate, but they play into each other. So it's weird just how that's working right now. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I this is an enjoyable middle chapter. Uh, I, I liked a lot of the interact. I liked Hal and Barry together. I liked the mm -hmm. scene with Dick and Alan Scott. And I liked kind of the, the build to what's going on. Um, but at the same time, like, I totally get why if you're sick of, like, crisis level events and stuff like that, if you're just not into this. Like, I, I would totally understand that it's kind of doing the greatest hits, almost. And a, a lot of comic book events are kind of guilty of that. Like, ever, ever since the first one, in some way, they're always just kind of regurgitating what the original mm -hmm. event kind of was. So, uh, all right, Matt, what are you giving uh, Dark Crisis? I'm going to give us an 8.5. I'll just give it a straight 8, I think. Uh, we didn't talk too much about the art, uh, other than just uh, a little bit of Barry's introduction, but I do think Sam is a really good artist, and uh, the way it ha the way he handles, you know, uh, Dick and Alan's scene, there's a really great thing there where, because it is an old silhouette and shadows, but then Alan's light, his green light starts to, you know, glow onto Dick's face and stuff like that. There. There's a lot of really nice kind of playing with the lights and the shadows and, and that scene in particular um and you know he gets to draw a lot of villains here and they mostly look pretty great 
you know, Black Adam scowling at Lex Luthor and vice versa and all that stuff. So, um, you know, generally quite enjoyable. But there you go. That is uh, the Dark Crisis issue four. Batman 127, Chip Zarsky, writing with Jorge Jimenez on the art. Uh, so this is the third part of Failsafe. And we got the wacky reveal at the end of last issue that it wasn't tech. I mean, technically it was Batman who created Failsafe, but it was another personality. It was the Batman of Zurenar who created Failsafe. And we learn about that here in this. We get a little flashback first, though, to just after, after uh, or during Tower of Babel. Uh, mm-hmm. with uh, Superman being pissed that Batman had, you know, all these fail-safes in place for, for the Justice League. Um, which, uh, you know, thematically makes sense that we're, we're kind of reminding us of that, and this is kind of his own for himself kind of idea. Uh, yeah, it's... I like that Superman brings up, the, like, you had everything for us, but nothing for you. And so it's almost like Superman's kind of guilting him. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, assume, I assume this conversation is what inspired... Uh, you know, letting Zurenar create yeah. the failsafe. But so you, yeah. you get you get this Batman uh, with Tim and Tim's freaking out about the costume and what's going on. And there's a secret part of the cave that Tim didn't know about that only Zurenar knew about. And he takes him down and explains that he built this failsafe. But he intentionally wiped his memory so that he couldn't like deactivate it. Uh, so now he has to help. And obviously the idea with Zurenar is that he's, ba- he's Batman without Bruce Wayne. He's like, it's, it's Batman with all the humanity stripped away. So it's just purely, yeah. it's purely the perfect war on crime machine. <laughs> zero, zero guide rails. So, uh, I was surprised how much I liked this issue, actually. Okay. Because I, I wasn't sure how you feel about the Zurenar thing. I was definitely curious. I was definitely on the hook to see what they did with uh-huh. it. Uh, but I think, you know, they have played into the idea of failsafe like a Terminator, these last two issues, and the way like, it keeps stalking them through the cave, they fight and just barely survive and get up into the mansion, mm-hmm. and it keeps walking through the flames to come and get them. You know, I really enjoyed all that stuff. Um, I also really like that when they do eventually get up to the, the mansion, and, uh, like, the moment it snaps Batman into, like, coming back, so it's the real Batman again and not just the R. Uh, is when Zurinar basically is willing to like kind of like dismiss and possibly even sacrifice Tim and says he's yeah. just he's just a soldier in his war and then Batman internally says to Zurinar shut up he's my son and then he sort of like wakes up like it was hard not to like if you're a fan of the Bat family and care about the, the connections between them it's hard not to feel something for Batman well, actively calling the Robins his sons yeah, and it almost feels like Zanarski having commentary on the whole Frank Miller, the GD Batman, right? Mm. Like, that's who Zernar is, is that version. So the fact, like, that it's it's Robin that's in the, the crossfire as it brings Bruce back into control, because um, that's who he is. So I, I did like that, especially when, he, you know, it goes from my son and then that panel where it's at the top where he's in the Zernar cowl with the fire behind him. Mm. And it's just, it's a really cool page. Yeah, there's a scene sort of in the middle of all this uh, before that part where uh, the decks at the crime scene where the big fight happened last issue and some of the Batgirls are being like tended to by medics and stuff. Uh, but <clears throat> Dick and Babs are talking on comms and basically say, like, we need help, we need backup. Uh, mm-hmm. So it sort of sets up what the cliffhanger is going to be later, but um, worth mentioning that. Um, again, I love when the Bat books use the Bat family, and obviously this one uses Dick and Babs a bit, but it uses a lot of Tim here in a very effective, emotional way. Um, mm-hmm. 
I also, I mean, go back to the heart of everything. Uh, the idea that fail-safe's, like, damaging the, the portraits in the mansion, and it's when he's about to go to the Alfred one, where, where yeah. even Zura and R has to jump in and, like, no, you stay away from Alfred. Like, mm-hmm. the, like the idea that that still is in there, even when it's Zura and R, is, is kind of interesting. Uh, but, yeah, so you get, you get this, uh, you know, and Horia Menace's art is great. There's a lot of fighting in this, yeah. obviously. The unstoppable killing machine coming for him, all that stuff. Um, the way that when it does go into his head, when when Bruce kind of takes control again, uh, when he yells, he's my son, you know, the idea that's in this infinite blackness as opposed to mm-hmm. having a background, just, you know, give you that sense. And then you get that glorious, like you say, like the, the cowl scowling in front of the fire. Uh, so, yeah, some great art. Uh, you know, and there was a lot of great art in the last issue as well. Like, Jimenez has done a really good job in this run, I think. Um, yeah. And it's a testament to last issue that I still think last issue had better action sequences, but the, the one in this is no slouch. Like No, they're all, and it's, uh, the, all the action flows super well, right? And then the way that he has the layouts. I mean, that... it, it says something that a month later, I can tell you that I loved Failsafe pulling the cape down and Dick's mm-hmm. entrance into the car chase. Like, I can remember specific mm-hmm. panels from last month's issue, and I can't say that for most comics. You know, yeah. most most comics I can't do that, so yeah. th- th- that is very much worth saying. Uh, the detail when failsafe. Well, punch- it's like the little. I was gonna say the detail when failsafe punches him in the face, and he's the the, the mouth kind of all scrunches up. That's uh, yeah, really good stuff. Well, I was gonna say that too, and like where where he has him, and he picks him up, where where he talks about that he's the original, and just the like the motion lines around uh, Bruce. Mm. You know, nice little flourishes like that. Um. But, but yeah, and then right after, the, the next page is the scrunching of the mouth. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, he gets knocked down at one point, uh, and he has this kind of moment where he's like, is this a good death? You know, live, you know, this is where all the memories of my, mm-hmm. my sons and my parents and Alfred are all, uh, and he's lying there, uh, good as dead, failsafe, and it, this is very Terminator, failsafe walking through the fire uh, yeah. and staring down at him. It's very, very Terminator. Um, and just at that moment, you 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 know, Bruce kind of like teases it in his his narration that you can sense that he's here, but mm-hmm. you get the super breath and you get you know Superman saying "Stay away from my friend" kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so that's the big cliffhanger. Superman coming in to help save the day, um, which is interesting. And in you would think Superman's going to be able to deal with this fairly easily. That said, there is a tease in the issue because at one point Batman says, "Oh, I'll go for what's usually a weakness in androids, which is the knees." Right. And then he goes and it doesn't work and he's like, shit, yeah, I thought of that. Because <laughs> I'm Batman. Yeah. yeah, but you know, if Superman doesn't have to be careful, that's not a human. And you know, True, true, it's a robot, it, you, can, you can let loose. Yeah, he's kind of limitless in that, you know. But I do like that Failsafe looks at him and says, I urge what, you to fly away. What, what I'm saying though is, what if he... <clears throat> at, predicted that superman might be a foe for it and has is, is, is prepared it with some kryptonite or something you know yeah yeah like, i definitely feel there's gonna be a team effort to bring failsafe down yeah. that's what the point of this story is as i feel that as lonely as bruce feels he's always surrounded by those that love him um i, I think that's actually what i like about this issue as well and making us think of tower of babel because tower of babel you know came from mm-hmm. this really cynical place where batman you know, had a failsafe for everyone else. Yeah. Um, I think I like this idea that when the time comes where his failsafe is activated, but he's not guilty of, you know, like the idea that it's reinforcing everyone he's got around him trying to help him. So the entire Bat mm-hmm. family are trying to help him. Superman showing up to try and help him. Wouldn't surprise me if there's more by the end of the story. 
to come and try mm-hmm. and help him. Like, there's a, there's a heart to the story, actually. And it's actually very nice, these last two issues, after... I wasn't, like... I liked the first issue of the run well enough, but it, it did kind of feel a bit more generic. And you had the robot with a generic design come out at mm-hmm. the end. I think these last two issues have sold me on what the story's actually accomplishing, which is the heart of everyone else wanting to try and help Bruce. And the creation of, of Failsafe being... Oh, this alternate sort of personality that made it so that Bruce wouldn't know about it, and that's why he didn't know about it. He didn't forget. Uh, he, he this was this this was like the the alternate voice in his brain that did it. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, all very interesting. Um, I I liked uh the, the, all, all everything this Zarsky's playing with. Um, I think after a just an okay first issue, I think the next two have been very very good. So, I'm into it. I mean. Between this and tech, it's hard to for me to hate on Batman right now. So, you know. Which is a sentiment you've basically been sharing since we started this show. Because they've had I'm good, my head. they've had good teams on them. Yeah. For Yeah, but like especially these two right now, like usually there'd be one I'm enjoying more than the other. Mm. And right now I feel like they're equal for the first time in a long time they're duking it out i I do think eventually one of them probably will be my favorite between the two but right now i can't tell which it's going to be which is good it means it means it's a fair fight you know (laughs) yeah because like when back at the beginning of rebirth uh when tynan was doing tech that was the book you know uh with with king doing batman so then they just they go back and forth and the tynan did batman and that kind of pushed it up yeah. a little bit. Generally, so. I was enjoying tech more when Tamaki was on that versus Batman. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it, it goes back and forth depending, mm-hmm. you know, who's on what. Definitely. Uh, so no, main story is very good. Art still excellent. Uh, okay. I, I really enjoyed um, uh, everything with the fire was great and sort of really, you know, it felt it felt like very apocalyptic almost in a sense the way this thing mm-hmm. was just coming after him, and that maybe you know this idea that Batman's own cynicism is will be his undoing but all of his friends are there to stop it from 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 succumbing to it right you know there's a really nice message mm-hmm. there that his own psyche is what led to this but it's his friends you know it's, it's a good uh like analogy for mental health or like you know or depression the idea that those around you will help you get through it and you know if you if you are your own worst enemy it's those around you that care for you that are going to be there to right. help pull you up Right, and if you think you have to keep doing it on your own, you're going to keep, you know, yeah, sinking deeper. So, um, it's doing yeah. things, it's saying things. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's good mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, Joe, so it's funny, Matt. Last month, uh, I read the backup to this and forgot to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, and so I didn't read that, and then I read this one, and I was very lost. Okay, so the backup. I mean, I can't really tell you much about last month, except most of the the cobblepot kids were dead. And uh, this one's quite important, though. Because yeah. it reveals that uh, Penguin faked his death and got plastic surgery and is now living in Metropolis because Selena finds him and he's like, yeah. he owns a, like a flower shop and he basically just didn't want to be in Gotham anymore. Talks about how, you know, we're all night people in Gotham. He wanted to be out in the sunshine and be away from Batman and be away from everything. And he's still a bit evil at the end. He still kind of hopes that his kids who are still alive will take down Batman. But, um... It does seem, at least for the time being, and I'm sure he'll be back to being Penguin before too long, because that's just the yeah. way comics are. But it does seem like, at least here, uh, Zarsky's like, genuinely saying, no, he wanted to get out. He wanted to get away from the, the crime world in Gotham and just sort of go live a peaceful life. Uh, so, you know, yeah, it's interesting. 
Uh, I, what I thought was funny is that he, he apparently got plastic surgery on his nose, uh, Selena mentions, and yeah. I think he actually kind of looks like the Colin, Colin Farrell version of Penguin from the movie. He does. A whole lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, without the pointy nose, so I thought that was interesting. Um, so yeah. So uh, there's a little three-part story setting up that Penguin is in fact alive. Uh, so possibly important for later when you know he shows up again people might say oh but he died i'm like well you should have read the backup <laughs> kind of thing yeah because uh, this was by Zarsky. um i don't know if the next backups are going to be by Zarsky, but it says next on the backups is zero nr year one which yeah. is an interesting tease i'd say so we'll get to see the origins of the batman and zero nr mm. yeah <clears throat> so i'm cool with that um i wasn't in love with the art on the backup uh it's it's fine but it's very like cartoony in that manga kind of way yeah so it's got a bit of a manga swerve to it yeah uh the, the art on the backup is a uh, belaine ortiga uh so uh yeah but, very so. very kind of chunky in, in spots um like some some harsh angles uh, and then like the last the, the last uh, page looks kind of weird. Just like the proportions on Selena. So, like, it's not bad. It's just not my thing. Yeah. So, uh, good actually of Batman, though. Um, I, I'm yep. digging Zarsky's run uh, now that we're a couple into it, and I really feel like I'm getting what he's doing and saying about the character, which is which is great. Um, so, what are you giving Batman, Matt? I mean, it's an 8. Yeah, I, I think I'll go a notch higher and say 8.5. Uh, so, very cool, very cool. Um, alright. Uh, next up, we got the new champion of Shazam, issue 2, Josie Campbell writing with Doc Shaner on the art. Uh, really liked issue 1 of this, was excited to get issue 2, mm -hmm. and this may be even better than issue 1, uh, is my summation of it, quickly. Uh, uh this, this could end up being my favourite Shazam story of all time. Woo! If, if it keeps, yeah, if it keeps the quality... The stuff that it's doing with Mary, um, just because I get where her character's at here mm. as like the put upon oldest kid. And maybe I'm just reading too much into it as, you know, that's how I felt my whole life. You know, her feeling the responsibility for the rest of the kids. I, um, you know, I said this after issue one. I'm sad this is only four issues and I really hope it gets a sequel because yep. it feels like it's really setting up a great new status quo uh, for these characters. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it starts with this uh, little, it's like a commercial for this community college that Mary's going to have to go to now because she has to go back home because she has yeah. to be the guardian. She has to, because because she's 18, she right. has to look after the other kids now uh, because the because that was the cliffhanger. Was... Because the, the Vasquez's are missing. Yeah. Uh, I also love that it, it's Fawcett Community College. Um, anytime they can work the original uh, mm -hmm. city from Shazam in there. Yeah, no, nice. So, so the, the parents went missing on their way home after dropping her off at the train station, <laughs> and she's you know she talks to the police about it, and she sees the kids. The, you know, it sort of reaffirms that Billy's you know not there, and uh, some of the other status quo <laughs> that are going on. Um, but Darla is excited that she's back. They're, she's happy that the bunny's there, Hoppy's there, and uh, that's like a running gag is that Hoppy keeps sneaking into Mary's backpack uh, throughout the issue. They are here. Oh, yeah, her always being surprised is a great joke. Oh, yeah. And the art here is great. There's a great face on Mary. It's, it's after she's talking to um, Pedro, who's kind of, like, confrontational with her a little bit. Yeah. And he leaves. Uh, at the bottom of this, um, 
Darla says something like, oh, you, you know, after we find mom and dad, you can stay here and we'll be together. We're always supposed to be. And because she knows she actually wants to leave as soon as she, like, finds them and solves all this problem again, mm-hmm. the, fa- the look in her face in the bottom of that page, that, that, that last panel is wonderful. This sort of, oh, oh shucks, kind of, how do I break mm-hmm. this to her kind of face. Fantastic. Shainer is on fire and Josie Campbell, for a writer I don't think I'd heard of before issue one of this, uh, I really like her voice for for these characters and just, you know, I, I love the clean look of the art. I, everything about it just, it feels like it's got a vibe uh, where the art and the writing are just <clears throat> marrying perfectly. They they work together so well. Yeah, it's it's really good stuff. Uh, so she runs into Eugene because Eugene's actually taking some early college classes because he's a, you know, he's like a brainchild. <laughs> uh, and she's a little offended when he's like, oh, maybe don't talk to me when we're, call- I've, I've, I've got a new reputation as being like this, this cool smart kid. <laughs> so, because uh, yeah. I'm hiring it with all these college students. Yeah. Um, he's the, he's the, the high school kid. Jesus, that, man. <laughs> I'm so sorry. He's the high school kid that, uh, like, I'm sure they're all being nice to him, but he has an inflated ego. Right, because they all think he's a genius, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty funny. Because um, it's starting to feel like each of the kids are kind of falling into those kind of seven deadly sins vibes um, of each of the, you know, which is, is a good villain of, or like an original villain of Captain Marvel slash Shazam. You know, and, and I felt the pride coming through Eugene here. Yeah, no, I loved it. This issue, obviously, last issue was so Mary-focused, but this issue gets to bring in a lot of the other kids, and we get a kind mm-hmm. of sense of them right now. So I'm glad that they're still part of the world, but you have this thing where she, you know, Mary is the only one with the powers now. The rest of the kids don't have that anymore. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's really cool. Uh, so when she's in class and the, the lecturers try to talk about stuff, uh, there's, a, there's a car accident outside, and Mary runs off to go be a superhero, as, as you do. Um, and it's a giant alligator who, after the the first time she punches it, which is, you know, it's a great panel of her punching this alligator. It's like an uppercut. Uh, it's great stuff. The alligator sprouts wings. <laughs> this giant alligator sprouts wings and starts flying around. Um, and so we get like a, a scene where she's flying through the sky after this alligator. It's very pulpy. It's very silly, but very fun. Um... I love that panel where it connects to the bank robbers from the last issue because it's mm-hmm. being controlled by the same sort of phone app thing. But yep. there's a great panel where she's standing like right in front of the alligator. Uh, so it's got this like, perspective thing where she's just right in front of the nose and yeah. the alligator's looking right at us effectively. Uh, really good stuff. Um, and then like these villains that either are also controlled or part of what's going on and behind the alligator attack. Uh, show up and fight Mary, and they've got electric powers, and they end up frying poor Hoppy. Uh, and for the rest of the issue, like, like you see Hoppy burned and singed, and like you know barely moving, and Mary's like holding him and saying, "Are you okay?" And like hugging her, hugging the bunny in her arms. It's hard not to feel things <laughs> during all this. Well, and the way that she says, "Oh, Hoppy," and then she hugs him, it's I was just like, "Oh man." I really care about this rabbit. <laughs> yeah, it's all really good. It really makes you hate the villains uh, who are basically well, just in silhouette except these, like, phone lights on their chest. Yeah, and it seems like they're marrying technology and magic because they're using these phones, right? And, like, we find out that this this crocodile or alligator creature is saying, help me, right? Uh, and he has one of those things in him. 
Um, and it's just like, well, yeah, what's going on? Because then when they close the loop, right, like it fries her magic. So there's like big things going on here. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it means that it is something that she's going to have a tough time fighting. It won't just be easy. Yeah. So it gives her a challenge, gives her something to overcome, which is good. Uh, the next little thread that's introduced is that the press come up and talk to her and they're like, oh, you're a new superhero. And I'm like, well, she's not really. She's kind of been around, but whatever. Uh, yeah. And she says, oh, like, are you part of a team? Do you, what is your name? Like, and asks a bunch of questions. And Mary, like, panics and just says she has to go. Um, and the issue ends with her noticing that there's a lot of missing people in the neighborhood. And it's not just mm-hmm. her parents that are gone. And it sort of ends with her sort of, you know, a call to action that she has to not only find her foster parents, but find everyone who's missing and that there's something really bad going on. Uh, mm-hmm. So this, this is a good issue because it, it puts her back in her own community. It makes her, it puts her back in with her family of characters that she cares about. And then by the end establishes that the stakes are higher than it just being a personal thing. And she has to actually become a hero now. It's like, it's one thing mm-hmm. like, oh, she hears a car accident. She has to go off and like save some lives who are in jeopardy. It's another thing to notice that something's wrong and actively seek it out and try and solve the, the crime or the problem solve the mystery you know mm-hmm. uh so i i dug it um i love mary getting the spotlight i, I think it's great and yeah. um you know her, her becoming this kind of she's always been the bigger sister but this this idea that she's becoming the actual uh yeah. guardian of the other kids is, is really yeah, cool because because billy does a lot of that heavy lifting when he's you know shazam right that he gets to be the the guardian of them and now she actually has to, and she has to step up and her trying to balance her, you know, her future. And, you know, while also doing this is a nice twist because I feel like everyone's been at that point in their lives where like they want to go on to different things, but they also feel that tug to, to the back to their old life. Um, yeah, I think that's, you know, part of what the, the story is here is it's about Mary's coming of age as well. And yeah, uh, like, you know, so many people want to do things when they reach this kind of age, but maybe can't because they can't afford it or because the mm-hmm. circumstances that they'll let them do what they want. So there's kind of this sort of metaphor of responsibility and, uh, like, you know, creeping in. So I am curious to see how, when it ends, like, what the final messaging and where it leaves her off. Yeah. Uh, but um, I'm loving it, and I really do hope that there's more of it after this four-issue mini. And so, in in some you. way, you know, a sequel, miniseries, whatever it is. Yeah. And just Shayna's art is so crisp, and it just matches the tone of the characters. Yeah, it's it's a so joy to well. look at, and I, I think Shayna's flatter colors and like solid line work mm-hmm. is very good for something that wants to feel pulpy and Silver Age. Yep. And Shazam, by its nature, because of the type of characters it has, mm-hmm. kind of lends itself to that. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, um, loving it. Yeah. All right, what are you, you given Shazam? Or new champion I mean, of Shazam, one, I should say. I mean, this one a nine. Yeah, I'm going to agree straight nine for me as well. Uh, I think it's an excellent mm-hmm. comic book. Uh, and if you have any kind of, like, you know, loving your heart for, for these characters, uh, but even if you don't, I think it may make you like Mary Marvel. It may make you like yeah. this, this, you know, section of the, the DC universe. One that's solely, you know, been underrepresented for a long, long time, really. Very long time. So, And then, when we, and then it's been, like, starts and stops as far as my as I can remember. Yeah, that, so that's why when I say like, it's my favorite Shazam story I can remember. It's just because it's been, you know, so inconsistent 
Um, oh, I yeah, tend well, to like well, more than I don't. When but... I when I say it's been underrepresented, I'm including when it had a book because yeah. you know the, 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 when it had a book, it only lasted like 16 issues or whatever, yeah. and it was delayed a lot. There was a lot of problems, you know, in terms of that were creeping in, uh, you know, so on. You know, yeah. We had the backups in New Fifty Two, but you know, like Shazam has been so off and on for for yeah. such a long time, and I, I think part of it is struggling to find its identity when, you know the powers can be compared to superman and i think that was a problem they faced for a long time at dc uh-huh. was how do we separate shazam from superman and sort of make it have its own identity and i do think books like this nail it and nail what's different about these characters uh but i think for a long time that was like a, a problem and i think it was so like ignored for such a long time that it just became more and more of a niche character where a shazam book is never going to sell like you know the big characters not without like i don't think the current movies that are coming out obviously are good enough to do it i think if there was an excellent movie and then you brought had like a good like all-star creative team do a book whilst Mm -hmm. the interest was high maybe you could elevate it to that status but you know i've seen it done from time to time you know jeff johns elevated green lantern for example but that's a rare that's like the exception rather than the rule yeah but but even then like green lantern had had the whole kyle stuff before they they relaunched the Hal stuff under Johns, you know. So they had a pretty consistent like footprint, yeah. Even in the comics. So whereas I feel like with Shazam, like he was only really in Justice Society, like when I can go back and think. In the two thousands, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there was a couple of minis somewhere, but I don't remember. Yeah, well, like one of the ones that really made me like the character was a there was a Superman Shazam team up called First Thunder, and it was basically them teaming up and deciding that when it's sciencey stuff, Superman will get involved. But when, you know, it's magic, Superman can call Shazam in. And it was a nice little four issue, you know, I forget who wrote it and who drew it, but it was a fun read. Um, and, and that's what kind of turned me on to the character and then trying to find Shazam stuff. It was just basically JSA uh, at that point. So um, I'm happy to have this. I really like Mary, like coming from 52. I wonder her story through that was one of my favorites. So, yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, but there you go. That's a uh, new champion of Shazam. It's very good. Uh, nothing super exciting from the panels yet. Just uh, to check in here. Uh, yeah. Uh, short rounds going to be in Loki season two. That's like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a bit. I'm excited about that. Uh, the guy that did WandaVision is directing Fantastic Four, which is kind of like, okay. Yeah, uh, that that was not. I mean, maybe they confirmed it today, but that was kind of known yeah. for a couple of weeks. I think I did not know that, but I'm also not tapped yeah. into news, so I was shocked. Um, but maybe, maybe it'll have that you know old school vibe that I, I enjoyed in Wandavision for the beginning. Um, mm. I don't know, because I kind of do want a Silver Agey Fantastic Four movie, so maybe he's the right guy. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Uh, it doesn't sound like they've really announced, but there's a couple of trailers that have came out. Secret Invasion got a trailer, but. Uh, yeah. no big earth shattering announcements as of yet no so. but I am after after seeing everything everywhere all at once I'm glad that Jonathan Kikwan is, is getting his career back up and running so oh yeah he was excellent in that movie yeah well and I didn't realize he was a stunt coordinator for a while like he went straight from a kid actor to like oh I'm gonna work in stunts now mm. uh, which is super cool and that's what he had been doing for a long time um, and then they brought him in for the movie which he was, he was really, really, really good in. So, yeah. So I'd see who he plays in Loki. 
Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, Flashpoint Beyond Issue 5, Jeff Johns uh, with Jeremy Adams and Tim Sheridan writing with Zermanico and Mikhail Yannin on the art. Joe stuck out to me about this issue early on. Uh, the mm-hmm. first like three or four pages are a bit of a chore to get through because they're very exposition heavy and they're explaining the omniverse, the continuum, hypertime versus the metaverse and the multiverse. Started to, right. started to feel like a textbook and I like this stuff. Right. This is what occurred to me though, is I'm reading this stuff and I'm going, all these ideas feel super Jeff Johns. But <laughs> I, I, I think what I get from this though is he clearly did not script these pages. This is obviously all his ideas, but the other writers, whatever one it is that's doing these pages specifically, are the ones actually writing the dialogue and explaining it. And I think this shows you how good Johns is at taking these weird concepts and making them digestible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so what I mean is it felt like a textbook. It felt like I was taking all this information in. And like I love like hypertime, continuity, multiverse, omniverse, all that stuff, the history of the DC universe. But just reading it was very dry. And I was just like, oh, man. And like, you're right. I feel like Jeff Johns handed them his notebook and went, here you guys go. And they're yeah. like, okay, how are we going to do this? And, you know, Adams, as we've seen in Flash, seems to handle the multiverse aspect pretty well. It's when hypertime starts to get involved and it gets all timey-wimey. I feel that's when brains get broken. Well, hypertime is such a weird concept here, and the way it's mm-hmm. explained here, because there's a debate, uh, this is in the real world, uh, yeah. there's a debate between uh, Dr. Baxter from the Time Masters and Mr. Terrific on a TV show, and she's explained that hypertime um, is like basically multiple timelines being created via choices rather than there being different universes, and right. they're, it's kind of like an emotional thing, uh, emotional divergences rather than different universes. And how that's separate from the omniverse, which has multiverses in it. And it's like, okay, all right. Uh, you know, at, at this point, we're getting a little bit convoluted, but you assume that hypertime is more to do with what this Flashpoint world that Thomas yep. Wayne's in rather than the other stuff. Um, I don't actually think this is going to tie up that much with Dark Crisis. It is interesting, though, that this book starts with saying two days after Dark Crisis. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah. weird, given that we're not finished that book yet. They're just yeah. casually saying that. Well- and they're talking about hypertime, like that there are these branches from emotional stuff. And it's like, okay, so uh, if Barry went and stopped, you know, whatever he did to, he saved his mom, right? And that's what led to Flashpoint. So that was a decision that he made. So that didn't create an earth. So now they're in an alternate timeline, not an alternate earth. That's, that's how I, that's how I'm understanding the concept of this book now. So that's how Dr. Batman could go back because he wasn't going back to an Earth. He was going back to a timeline. Yes, kind of, okay. yes. Okay, timey-wimey, it's, it's not back to the future rules. So I, I think, well, we can talk later about what the actual, ti- how mm-hmm. the, where the timeline diverged because there's yeah. an actual reason for it later. But, right. um, yeah, so, and then we get Batman talking to Ra's al Ghul in the real world, although Ra's al Ghul is notably more classic Ra's al Ghul rather than the Ra's al Ghul we'll be getting in Robin. Just ignore well, that. And the last time we saw Ra's al Ghul, he got, he got killed. Yeah, so, let's that's, that's just ignore all that. I mean, maybe Dark Crisis brings him back. That's, that's what I'm thinking. So, that's what that, I feel like there's a little wink of, you know, from the creators being like, guys, it's a crisis. We're going to reset things. I mean, to um, be fair, his first line is yeah. uh, let's drink to your miraculous return, Bruce, when yeah. Ra's al Ghul's the one who's miraculously returned. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, technically, Batman did too because the Justice League all died and came back. Yeah, but, you know. But, but yeah, you're right. It's it's almost Batman animated series. Uh, yeah. Was. Um. So. So. Yeah. Basically, you know, Raz talks about um, uh, Thomas Wayne, not not the real Thomas Wayne, but like no. the, the Flashpoint doctor. Thomas Wayne. Yeah. And well, the real Thomas Wayne's also a doctor. I, I was gonna say Doctor Batman, oh, okay. but I don't want to keep interrupting. <laughs> so. Uh. So he's like, you can still save him. You know, he's still somewhere. Uh, and then we finally, because this is the first time we've spent a lot of time outside of the Flashpoint world until, yeah. you know, this issue. But we go in and Batman's racing to Arkham where we know, uh, you know, Martha Joker uh, is with with uh, Gilda. Dexter. And Dexter, yes. Yeah. Um, and Batman comes in, you know, they're, they're, they're fighting, there's, there's a great big two-page spread of him crashing through the window, and all these different, like, classic Batman stories are in the little shards of glass. It's an interesting mm-hmm. uh, I like choice. that, because they're all, like, big moments from Batman's history. Yeah. Um, so I like that, and you look through, and it looks like it's the actual art, you know, it's not um, Zermanico doing, uh, you know, homages. So I, thought that, I like when they do that kind of stuff. Yeah. So a couple of things here is that it implies that the you know uh, Gelda you know killed the, her own daughter like the evil side of her and then maybe yeah. Dex was in trouble. Thomas doesn't care though because he thinks he's going to reset the universe anyway, so no, no one matters. So he's just going after Martha. They fight a bit, uh, but then she kind of gets into sort of like revealing how she survived and how she heard a voice that turned out to be Psycho Pirate after she you know, was left for dead. And she learned about hypertime, and she learned about timelines, and she learned about the you know the real universe, as it were, mm-hmm. where Batman became or Bruce became Batman, and how much like Thomas has had motivation for a long time. Martha Joker, for as crazy as she, as she is, wants to also fix things so that Bruce gets to be the one that lives. Because in all of her craziness, mm-hmm. she still wants to die to save her son. That's still she, yeah. a fundamental part of her. Yep, she's still his mother and wants the best for him that uh, for the kid that she lost. So. Uh, it feels like Thomas is probably going to end up wanting to help her and team up with her. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, is kind of the way I'm going with this. Yeah. Uh, but she's built uh, like a. It looks. It looks just like the snow globe that Batman's had in his hand at the end of the issues. Yeah, uh, the snow globe. But also, it looks like one of the Time Masters time bubbles that the Legion also uses. Well, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's much bigger. But I'm, I'm just yeah. saying that it's intentionally. There's this page it's where you right. see them side by side, and it's it's meant yeah. to be kind of mirroring each other. Mm-hmm. Um and. Yeah, then the issue just kind of ends with Rip Hunter finally showing up and saying that, you know, he has to stop Batman from doing what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, so that's basically it. Um, it's funny, this is a weird issue because we kind of enjoyed this book for just being kind of silly and doing weird things. This issue has less of that because it's getting more to the crux of things. And I don't necessarily hate the concepts of what it's doing, but I do think that the the writing team who's doing this uh, based on Johnsy's like, directions aren't as good at actually writing all these weird concepts as John's is. So the start of the issue was definitely a chore to get through. And uh, that that was a bit of a, a, a shame. And it doesn't have the silly stupidity that I was like cackling about in the last few issues. So that's kind of weird. Also, I, I, I am 100% sure this was solicited as a five, like issue zero and then issue one through five. And then all yeah. of a sudden this says five of six on the cover. And there's at least one more. <laughs> yeah. When did this happen? Because it, this I, started off as a five-issue thing. Well, six technically, including the zero issue. Yeah. But... I'll have to dig through my books and see, because I have them physically, and see if what it says on issue one. Um, 
So, um, but no, I, I really liked it because it became this, like, as you said, the silly story that we were kind of laughing at being like, all right, we're going to keep reading to see how crazy it gets to, for me, for a continuity nerd like me, them bringing in the hyper time and how that interplays with the omniverse and how they're different. And like, you know, I like all that. And then we got, you know, that other, I, I forget where we saw it originally, but Rip Hunter's chalkboard. Was that in the zero or was that in like a setup to something? It may have been in the zero issue. If it wasn't, <clears throat> it was definitely one of the early images that were kind of like promoting this book because we saw yeah. parts of it then. Yeah. But there's like teases of stuff that come in the DCU. Some of it's yeah. clearly teasing stuff that John's is going to do in uh, GSA. Some of it's uh, more broad and talking about right. other things. Well, it's just stuff like, you know, the whole 5G verted and then there's, you know, um, it, it, they almost look like strike throughs, but they're, they're gunshots, I feel instead but it, it's just things like you know the fall of the justice league the rise of the legacy league and i'm like okay is that the is that john's group is that the you know the ones that we saw that were kind of from future state you know why is deathstroke not acting like deathstroke i remember talking about that you know when we had read that chalkboard you know with the imposter question mark was like well we know it's the, the great darkness and then curiously enough it says the great darkness wants nothing which I read this after I read Crisis. Yeah, it syncs up with Crisis. Yeah, and it, with, and it yeah. syncs up super, super well. You know, his daughter will rejoin the Justice Society to save it. Do you know the thing is, this was originally, like yeah. I say, it was meant to be issue zero and then one through five. Yeah. And it was originally going to be like either weekly or every other week. And then yeah. it, it was only for a short time. It was meant to be that quick. And then just before issue one came out, it said, no, it's monthly now. And yeah. clearly something changed because the fact that this is referencing effectively this week's issue of Dark Crisis yeah. means that they reworked some things to tie into the rest of the universe and clearly also added an issue somewhere along the lines to to, to stretch it out into one more. Um, Which I think maybe maybe when they started doing this, Johns didn't know he was coming back on to do a couple of books ongoing again. Um, yeah. And maybe there's some more setup here for some of his stuff or maybe, I, I don't know, but... Whatever it is, this has been kind of a weird book. It's been interesting, uh, if at times a bit of a chore, because the, the writing, you know. And I have to assume Sheridan is the one that I don't like here, because Adams has been fine on Flash. Yeah. So, you know, uh, not as good as John's in his prime, obviously. I mean, I'm not saying that, but, you know, I don't have this, oh my god, this is a chore to yeah. read when I read <laughs> Jeremy Adams' no. written comic. No, definitely. So... But, it, you know, it's also all the timey-wimey type stuff, too, that I have to stop and think about, you know? So when you start getting the Time Masters and all this other stuff, it doesn't help when it's super dry to read, too. Yeah. So, you know. But no, I and even the Martha Joker stuff I really enjoyed, just because it's a nice uh, twist on, you know, the whole Batman-Joker dynamic, where they actually do, they, they actually might see eye-to-eye on something. <clears throat> so uh you know it's kind of a mixed bag in some ways but there's definitely some interesting mm -hmm. ideas in there um so mm -hmm. yep yeah. uh, having the two artists obviously it's mainly zermanico uh although there is more yanin in this issue because there's more and yeah. there's more in the real world as it were so yeah. uh you know i should say earth prime or earth zero earth whatever prime. you might call yeah. it yeah so what what is getting me is i wonder if they're gonna split them next time because I feel like we've gotten more Janin as we go, mm. just by a little bit. So I wonder if by this one it'll split between the Earths, um, by by the last issue. Yeah, 
Uh, but all right, there you go. We we given uh, Flashpoint Beyond. Um, I'm gonna this a seven point five. Yeah, I'll give it a seven. I just I found I have to mark it down a bit just because that first you know four pages whatever it was was just a bit of a chore uh, to to get through. Uh, but. Yeah, I, I can't say I'm not into like these wacky Johns concepts, and mm-hmm. knowing that we're getting a couple of Johns books, you know these GSA books that are coming, uh, does yeah. make me excited. Uh, and totally make me a bit more invested. So, for sure, good stuff. Uh, all right, Poison Ivy issue four, G. Willow Wilson writing with Marcio Takara on the art. Matt, what yeah. you got? Okay, so uh, I had to get caught up, so I read issue three. Issue three, uh, Pam meets this this lady. And they end up hitting it off because she's a gardener. And it starts to make Pam kind of question her her motive of, like, infecting everybody with this fungus spore. Um, but, of course, they're still bad in the world, and she's still going to go through with it. This issue starts with her going to, like, a job interview where she's, you know, there's a, a typical middle management type dude interviewing her and basically telling her that this job is your life. You know, we're, we're all about efficiency. There's no, you know, um, there's no, no breaks, no sitting down. If you're going to pee, uh, do it into a bottle. If you're going to do the other thing, do it at home. And it's all just very like not good working conditions. Um, and she ends up getting the job. She accepts it. And she ends up with these coworkers and, you know, they're all kind of scared to not hold up their end of the deal. Uh, because of, of, you know, they need this job. Um, Pam sees it um, through the hallucinations that she's having through this fungus that's affecting her as, you know, like, um, just kind of like an endless nothing. Um, and so we find out that, that she is going to use working because they're dealing with like a lot of mailing packages, that she's going to put the spores in these packages and mail them across the country. Um, and that's how she's going to, you know, spread the fungus. She sees the middle management guy get a little bit too touchy with the girl that she works with. Um, and she starts questioning the employees and they're like, oh yeah, he does this all the time. The last person to speak up, you know, lost their job. Um, and so Jeslyn, who's the girl that she's, you know, uh, befriended, she's like, no, I'm going to go deal with this. So she goes to talk to the dude kicks the door in, uh, knocks him down, um, and says basically, like, you're going to, you know, I, I just infected you with this deadly spore. You're not going to be alive in a couple hours. So in that time, you're going to, you know, make these workers' lives better. Um, through all of this, Takara's art goes from, like, very clean and kind of bouncy lines to when, like, the infections and stuff happen, it gets super chaotic. And like um, when he, you know, when when she knocks him down and infects him with it, he asks, "What are you, some kind of monster?" And she goes, "You know, there's only one monster in this room, George." And to you know, he goes, "And it's you." Uh, and but when he looks up at her, she is like this crazy-looking nightmare plant creature. Um, but he ends up, you know, giving kind of everybody what they want, and she goes back and lets them know, like, oh, you're not going to have to worry about him anymore. And then the girl, Jeselyn, you know, turns around and kisses her. And her and uh, 
Ivy go off together and, you know, they end up going back to a room and, you know, hooking up. But as, as Pam's doing this, you know, it looks like you're reading from her journal and, you know, she says that this reminded her of you and you turn the page and there's like the specter of Harley Quinn. And, you know, she starts, you know, basically talking to Harley through this journal that, you know, she blamed her for things that weren't her fault, that she was just looking out for her and that she loves her and that she's sorry that she's doing this. Um, and now she's having second doubts that like, you know, I've seen kind of that there's other ways to go about this. I don't have to end humanity to save the planet. I just have to get in and change things from the inside. Um, and that she has decided that she wants to live. So she's laying in bed next to Jezelyn. She she springs up and there's a green creature standing over her. And she says the green man's found her. And now she knows that these aren't just hallucinations. Um, someone is actively trying to stop her. Now, is this Swamp Thing? Is it Woodrow? Is it someone new? We don't know. But he says the green man, the thing that comes after her says the green man knows everything. Pamela. Um, and she she destroys it. Uh, tell Jaslyn it's better if you never forgot, uh, you know, if you never met me. She gets in her van and says that she's coming after him. Um, thoroughly enjoying this book. It, it's a little bit because we know from the solicits that there's going to be more issues. The pacing definitely feels off because these, these feel like kind of not one shots, but like instead of a one cohesive story, they feel like little vignettes of Pam's journey. So now it almost feels like there's a structure now that she's going to face off with a green man. But so through the first four were basically her interactions with humanity and learning things about them different, you know, um, and making her almost question herself because she's back to being, you know, the human Pamela with, you know, flourishes of the green. Um, Takara's art, I can't get over enough in, in any other week that didn't have, you know, a, a Jimenez and a, a Shainer. It might be up there because it's really fantastic. The colors pop, you know, it going from this, you know, bouncy round clean lines to like this chaotic, um, almost not hypnotic. What's the word? A uh, hallucinic. Halluc that's not a word. Hallucinic is not a word. A hallucinogenic type vibes is super cool. But yeah, uh, I'm going to give this an eight. All right, cool. Uh, that's uh, Poison Ivy issue four. Um, just updates on some news from the the panel. Ooh, what we got? A couple, probably the two biggest things because I think they're almost done. Is uh, the villain in the next Captain America is the leader? <laughs> He's finally coming back after fifteen years from Incredible Hulk. Okay, seems relatively a big deal. Yeah. Is, the, it, is it Tim Blake Nelson though? Yeah, he's back. Cool. Uh, cool. And they revealed the lineup for Thunderbolts, which is Yelena, Red Guardian, Bucky. Ghost from Ant-Man and Wasp, US Agent from Falcon Winter Soldier, and oh, who's the other one? And there was one more. <laughs> I thought okay. I'll go back and look. I'll go back and look. Definitely getting Dark Avenger vibes more than Thunderbolts, but that's okay. Oh, Taskmaster uh, was the other one. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, so curious that Bucky and US Agent are going to be on the same team. I feel friction. It does. It does feel like half of those aren't really villains. Uh, so it's 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 more of a 
Yeah. It's it's more of a just a sort of more of a a, a slightly darker than the good guys team yeah. than it is a yeah, well, team of villains. Even Red Guardian wasn't a full like he's much more of a hero than an even an anti-hero. And Ghost, I mean I I do not remember anything from the second Ant-Man movie, yeah. but was Ghost kind of sympathetic by the end, I want to say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she she was trapped through a thing um and you know got phasing so they had to, yeah. you know, so the only they, one they he, fixing her. So the only one who is not sympathetic in any way so far is Taskmaster. <laughs> well, no, but she was. If you remember, if you remember Black Widow. It, oh, it wasn't sure, on, okay, sure, sure yeah. okay, yeah. I'm forgetting. I just, I, I wasn't thinking of how that ended. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's kind of U.S. Agent because we see that he has a dark side that he's embracing, um, which you know, where yeah, it was for me. But he made know. some choices at the end of that show that yeah. he kind of had a bit of a redemption at the end. So. Everyone here feels like they're yeah. already kind of at least on a good yeah. side of anti-hero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, although I can I can see some some things flipping. Um, but yeah, Bucky. A lot of human characters too. A lot of just straight up like, not a lot of superheroes. Uh, well, the US or, agents obviously getting hand strength. So does Bucky because of super right. soldiers. Uh, right. And Red Guardian does too. He's strong too, doesn't he? That's right. So yeah, but they're all very. My point is they're all very seeds. Like, yeah, the only one that's got like outright powers, other than just being stronger, Ghost. is Ghost. Yeah, who can phase and shit. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm here for that one though. I like generally like the majority of those characters. I really like Yelena, but that that might just be George few. I think most of Phase Four has been pretty dull and boring, but I I, I do think Florence Pugh is pretty much always a delight to watch. Uh, yeah. I do like some of these other actors that are in some of these roles. So I think uh, it'll probably be a very watchable movie, if nothing mm-hmm. else. Um, I, don't think I, mean, it's, I think it's interesting, though, that most of these characters are either from the TV shows or from, uh, I'll say, B-tier movies, <laughs> shall I say. You know, it feels like a lot of characters who weren't in big projects before who might yeah. feel bigger because they've been given this movie together to, to be yeah. their starring vehicle, but... Yeah, and I like Wyatt Russell, and maybe under a different creative team from Falcon and Winter Soldier, he'll be able to shine more, kind of be a little bit hateable as U.S. agent. Um, so, but I just like him, so we'll see how it goes. Mm, so. Also, David Harbour's Red Guardian probably going to be good highlight. But yeah, a lot of Black Widow characters in this. Yeah, I mean, you got, I, I mean, you, got Win- Red Guardian. you got Winter Soldier and US Agent both from Falcon yeah. and Winter Soldier, so you get two from yeah. that, you've got mm-hmm. three from Black Widow, and you've got one from Ant-Man 2. <laughs> that, yeah. that's, your, that's your set of characters. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, st- I, I still haven't found the, the, the motivation to watch either Doctor Strange 2 or Thor Love and Thunder yet, so, I mean, we'll, we'll see how much my, I, I care when it comes out. My, my my good brother Jared told me he didn't really enjoy the first half of Love and Thunder, and I was just like, "Oh man!" So I, I don't think I'm going to like it that much, to be honest. Maybe did did you like um what was this one Jojo Rabbit? I did like I thought Jojo, I think Jojo Rabbit's easily his best movie. Okay, so it, it's it's more Jojo Rabbit than Ragnarok. It definitely has the tone shifts of Jojo Rabbit, um, but kind of inverted. Where this is a lot more comedic with tones of darkness versus darkness with tones of comedic. Yeah, so, I feel like you're setting me up for failure here, even making me think it's going to be remotely as good as Jojo no, Rabbit. No, no, no. I'm not talking. In, I'm talking in the structure because okay. Jojo Rabbit's much different subject material, right? Than than Love and Thunder. 
But I will say Love and Thunder had some very strong moments. It it really nails the Aaron stuff that I like. Um it makes them it makes some differences just for the sake of being a movie versus like a series. But it nailed the, the Aaron stuff that I enjoyed of the character. Um uh, but it's definitely more Taika than than Jojo Rabbit was. So take that as you will. You're probably gonna be middle on it because you're you're middle on Ragnarok. So um but this is definitely different than Ragnarok. Like it's not just not all Taika projects are the same, which I kinda like from him. Yeah. Oh. What's this? It's far more interesting all this Marvel shit. Avatar Force filming. <laughs> James Cameron is talking to the crowd. Avatar 4 is filming I right will, now. I'll believe it when I hear threes in the can. Who's that? So two's already in the can. Yeah, but like when I get a trailer for it, because I still don't believe two's happening. Two's got a trailer. You've seen the trailer for two. I've seen the trailer for two, but I've also seen the trailer for movies that never came out. <laughs> this is not some Warner Discovery, like, you know, shack that's cancelling projects last minute, okay? Like, Avatar 2 is coming out, damn it. I just like to tease you about it, because, mm. you know. Yes. Uh, it, it, it is interesting. Um, a couple of new photos, but it is interesting. Um, just like, oh, like, 4's already going, and like, 2's just about to come out. 3's already been shot entirely. And being prepped for like I think I think the I think the current release date is two years after two because the plan was to have Star Wars movies every other year but obviously they yeah. all got cancelled so, or delayed so yeah I mean who knows who knows uh, I can't believe they started with Avatar though I, I, you think that'd be the big one that they end with uh, it is D twenty three and that's not a proper Disney you know they they acquired that no so. I I just, I just mean out of the twentieth century section. Because oh, gotcha, gotcha. they're on the 20th century block now. So gotcha. I think it's interesting they're starting with that when... Yeah. You know, maybe well, they have Cameron something was there, maybe he had stuff to do. He's not there. He's, he's, I think he's, he's, he's on a video Did screen. Yeah. Well, he's, too, he's too busy making more movies. He's, he, he spent too long like before he came back to making movies again. He, now, now he has to devote all of his time to make sure he knocks out all 18 Avatar movies. <laughs> before he croaks. 18. Uh yeah so still uh all right uh i'll check i'll check in before we wrap up but we do have another book yep. to talk about uh so dark knights of steel tales from the three kingdoms issue one um various creators because there's three stories in it so i'll just I'll, we'll tell you as we yeah. go um first story is the tom taylor story though uh so it's it's annual size you basically get like a 20 page regular issue and then two 10 page stories give or take mm -hmm. so um and they're all stories set in the past when the characters were younger um mm -hmm. the first one is a story it's a man it turns out to be a man bat story uh mm -hmm. but it starts with jimmy olsen who's friends with a young harvey dent <laughs> and Oswald yeah Cobblepot. so there's in in the the city that they live in there's the arkham orphanage and Jimmy gets adopted by the Whites, which I, I love that. Um, but yeah, while he's there, he's friends with an Oswald and a Harvey. Does this say this is in the town of Gotham? That's... It was in Gotham. Okay, I couldn't yeah. remember which kingdom it was in. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, and so he gets adopted, and 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 you know he feels bad for for leaving his friends by, and you know, uh, but it reassures him that things are going to work out. Perry gives Jimmy a telescope to tell him to look at the skies. Um, and 
he ends up making friends with the young Cal, which I which I always love how the stuff kind of plays out. The one thing I'll say about even all these three stories, it mm-hmm. definitely kind of kills the villain vibes for Cal and Zala, seeing like kind of how pure as children they are, mm. you know. So it it tells me that that Taylor has an ace up his sleeve when it comes to some reveals coming up, but. So he he ends up meeting this Jimmy and Jimmy shows him the spyglass and they talk about how, you know, Cal can already see distances and in in the telescope or spyglass, he can see the whole universe. And it was like these really like nice kid moments between them. Yeah, um, I will say I'm not super into the art on this first story. Uh, the art is Oh, I like this is the, the Casper Wingard. Yeah. I, I like it. It's just not. Like it? It's just not my my taste. I think it's just a little too. Uh, it felt very storybooky to me. Yeah, storybook. Maybe, maybe a touch of manga. Like I don't know. I wasn't feeling. Uh, yeah, I was definitely getting more. So there's been other other Wingard art that say I think Connor's a big Wingard fan. Of course um, he is. Of course he is. Yeah, and there was other other stories that in like anthologies or one shot that they did that I was like, this is good. It's not my taste. But I feel here, just with the medieval stuff, I feel it really worked because, again, it had that storybook feeling to me. That the very soft edges and the coloring um, felt that way too. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, so basically, when Jimmy goes missing, Cal wants to look into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce ends up tagging along, as does Zala. So they, they go and investigate. Yeah. Uh, it all just turns out that there's a mad scientist uh yeah. lady at the the orphanage with, because it's, it's kind of up until this point you're thinking oh some winged creature who turns out to be man bat uh right. has kidnapped the kids but it turns out no he's not kidnapped them he saved them from the orphanage because there's a crazy yeah. you know arkham doctor who elizabeth, yeah, elizabeth, elizabeth elizabeth arkham is doing experiments on them and you know it, it, like that's basically it um and the ending is that amanda waller kind of employs her to do her own shady experiments uh, behind the scenes oh. How how good is Tom Taylor at, at telling these stories that are so different, but also so spot on with the characters? Because of course Waller would be reaching out to the mad scientist that was experimenting on kids. Yeah. So, uh, it's okay. Like I, you know, I, I think this this one shot I think is pleasant enough, and maybe because I wasn't super into the art in the first story, uh, Could be. dragged it down a little bit. Um, I thought the heart was in the right place. Um, yeah. It did feel though, like unlike say, um, the 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 one shot we got for Human Target, which felt like this yeah. really essential kind of like window into mm-hmm. what was going on. This felt a lot more like, oh, we need something to kind of like do a one shot. So it feels more like it. This feels less essential and very skippable if if you don't want to bother reading this and just go straight into issue seven of. Yeah, I don't think so. I feel like at least with Human Target, there might be something. That ties in at the end to what he did because all of those are yeah working, maybe you know I, it's it's just that it's just it's it's hard to sort of quantify this but it's just this feeling of yeah somehow Tom King made that one shot feel super important and like I was right. g- getting like an essential part of everything this feels like even just the Tom Taylor story but even the two backups which are kind of like ah oh, here's just some nice stories set in the back you know the backstory of yeah. the, these characters uh, the second story. Uh, which is Jay Christoph writing and and was that Sean Isaacs uh, on art. This is basically Bruce and Cal with Harley going out for Halloween in costume 
Uh, and you know, Bruce has got like a cool Clark put sunglasses. He was just kind of. I love, I love that Bruce is like spectacles aren't a disguise. Yeah, that, anyway, that killed me. It's a little cute to say. Uh, the story here is that the Robins are like a gang of kids who steal from the well-off to like help feed the poor. Uh, you know, ties into Robin Hood, which is a nice little touch. Uh, yeah. But Bruce sort of recognizes this, catches Dick, and offers them a job. Uh, it's, it's basically just how Bruce met the Robins in this universe. Yeah, effectively. I, I do love the, that Jason and, and Steph are yelling at each other. Yeah. Because again, that was spot on. I thought that was funny. Um, and, and then... And he's like, yeah, but you you won't catch all of us. And then Tim goes, yeah, he caught all of us. I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it was a, del- a delightful enough little yeah. thing. Yeah. So that's cool. And then the fail story, uh, which uh, focuses more on just Bruce, and it's basically how he met Bane when he was a teenager, uh, or even younger, actually. And mm-hmm. Bane trains Bruce, teaches him how to fight, uh, because he's loyal to the, the Waynes and wants yeah. to assassinate the Elves. But the big cliffhanger of this is that after he trains Bruce and they go in to attack the Elves, Bruce turns on him and pledges allegiance to the Elves. Um, and Bane's, like, carried off. Uh, and it also sets up that Bane's, like, Venom here is kind of magic-based. And this is, yeah. like, this is further uh, reinforcing the idea of how Bruce learned to hate magic. And, like, yeah. magic's a threat to at the Elves, so I'm going to, you know, seek out and destroy any magic destroy users it. yeah yeah i like what they do with bane here they're calling him king's bane and he was a black knight and that he you know he survived the green man's attack um that killed the waynes and so he wanted to get you know he wanted to uphold and, and reinstall a wayne on the throne um well i like all that type of stuff um so but just him being like oh the 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 elves, they're from the sky, so that means they're bad. That kind of fell apart for me. Um, because it wasn't the elves that attacked, it was the green man. So, yeah. you know, I could understand if he held the elves, like, at, you know, responsible. Like, oh, if it wasn't for the elves, they wouldn't have been on that. And we wouldn't have been there. And now I have to reinstall the rightful heir. So nothing like this can happen again. But yeah, it just kind of fell apart. But yeah, I, I did like that the, the venom was magic. And then Bruce's sudden yet inevitable betrayal um, kind of cracked me up because he just cut the Venom lines. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As a 12 year old. <laughs> so. Yeah. That last story is by C.S. Picat on writing and Michelle Bandini on the art. Um, yeah. Oh, I just thought this one shot was okay overall. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't necessarily love any of the stories. It was kind of cute to say, which is nice, but. Um, you know, it's yeah. You know, like I, I, I kind of like had that realization when we saw it in solicits last month. I'm like, wait, where has this book been? It's been a while since we had that last issue, and it obviously been on this break, and probably for the better, so the artists can you know stay more consistent and all that. But um, that's just kind of feel like a, a little filler one shot to kind of tide us over. Um, which is okay, but I, I, I kind of you know I left it to last, and I, it, you know it read quick and easy enough. Like I'm not going to say it for like a chore to read. But there was a little bit of a, like, I, when I was like halfway through it, I was kind of like, okay, I'm just kind of like doing this to get it done now, as opposed yeah. to really being excited I, about it. Yeah, I was running behind today because I, I played football too late and I'd eat breakfast and I told Pete, like, I'll, I'll be up after I have to read this. And then I was like, oh yeah, Pete's not that big. Like, it's Taylor, but he's kind of in and out in the book. If he's not going to read it, I can, he's like, no, I'm reading it right now. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, okay. 
So, yeah. Especially yeah. since you said you were yeah. running late. I, mean, I definitely have time, so I sat down right now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, I still feel that passion about it. Uh, it was it was good. Like, I'm not upset that I buy, bought it. I, I did enjoy the Taylor story. Um, I, I enjoyed all three of them to different levels, but you're right. If, if we're comparing it to Human Target, Human Target definitely felt like not a necessary piece, but um, what's the word I'm looking for? Where it's uh, it's on the the side, yeah. But it, it and it'll it'll add to it, but it, it's not necessary. I forget the complimentary. Name. Thank you. It's complimentary. Whereas this just felt like extra. Like you don't need it. It's it's fine. Um, but I just I get the vibe just just from who these kids were, right? Because they're all stories from when they were younger. It doesn't line up with the story that we're reading, and I feel like there's a purpose for that. Because um, Taylor is a very you know gifted writer, and I don't feel like he'd just be willy nilly telling fun little cutesy stories uh, here, or not there. So, but yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we giving it, we giving a one shot. Uh, I'm gonna give this one a seven, mixed bag. Yeah, I'm going to be a little harsh and say six. I just, you know, yeah. I, I kind of swam through it without really giving much of a toss, and <laughs> that's, that's all I've really got for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week, favourite panel slash modern, favourite cover, favourite art, and uh, our top five books, which and I read five books, so everything's making it, uh, certainly. So, mm-hmm. uh, what was your panel slash moment of the week? Um, it's So, I wanted to pull something from Dark Crisis, but I felt like there was a whole... There's a whole lot of stuff in there. But there's one image that really stuck out to me, and that's Superman showing up in Batman. Oh, yeah. Um, Jimenez's art with the way that it plays with all the light around Superman into the shadows of him putting out the fire, uh, it's it's poster-worthy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of... I think by default, I almost have to just go with the he's my son. Like, that, mm-hmm. that moment in Batman just kind of stuck mm-hmm. out to me. Uh, so I think I'll go with that. Uh, as far as covers go, uh, shout out to the main cover for New Champion of Shazam. Shano's cover is wonderful, and it's you know Mary holding up mm-hmm. all the kids and family on her back. Uh, so it's really nice. Uh, yeah. But I have to go with one of the variants for Batman, which is the uh, the Gabriel Delato variant, which is just this beautiful painted thing of Batman in the sewer looking hurt. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, there's, sometimes you just you know, there's, there's a Oh, there's a cover that appeals to you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, what's your cover of the week? So uh, I want to shout out the Garrett's cover for Flashpoint Beyond with the Two-Face mm-hmm. thing going on. I think that's a super cool image. But being that I read Ivy this week, I feel like I got to give her some credit. And there's a lot of fun covers. Um, there's a 1 in 25 Zoe Thorogood. That looks really cool. Um, and then there's, I'm going to try to say this name, uh, Soza Micah. Uh, it's cover C, the cardstock variant. That's nice. But the Jenny Frisian variant for Ivy, uh, it's got her with like a laurel of roses around her and just that, that Jenny Frisian style is spectacular. So that's my cover. Uh, cool, yeah. Um, there's also a pretty cool uh, cover for Batman that's Catwoman. It's uh, in Hayek Lee with the variant. Uh, okay. Oh, it's pretty nice. I didn't even look at the Dark Crisis one, so I'm going to look at those real quick. Yeah. Uh, okay, what about Art of the Week? Do I, is there any question that it's Shainer? No, it's not. I mean, obviously, Jimenez was great on Batman, but Dark Shainer wins. Yep. Uh, just, just, you know, complete okay, shot yeah. to the heart. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, shouts to Takara too on a, on a, you know, on another week, may maybe, but uh, Shaner Jimenez, uh, who's on Dark Crisis? Is it Sampier? Sampier, yeah. Yeah, Sampier's solid. Uh, both artists on Flashpoint Beyond. So we were we were embarrassed with with good art this week. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I have to say Shaner takes it with a bullet. Uh, so that takes us on to top five books of the week. Matt, go. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, Shazam one. I'm going to go Dark Crisis 2, Batman 3, Ivy 4, and Flashpoint Beyond 5. Yeah, uh, number one for me is New Champion of Shazam. Number two is Batman 127. Number three is Dark Crisis. Number four is uh, Flashpoint Beyond, I guess. And number five is Dark Knights of Steel, uh, one shot. So, uh, kind of easy to do for me this week. It just kind of fell into place. Yeah. Uh, but there you go. I will take this time now to tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. So let's have a look. See, uh, we have Wonder Woman seven nine one, Superman Son of Kal El issue fifteen, Batman Urban Legends issue nineteen, Batgirls issue ten, Jurassic League issue five, Batman versus Robin issue one, new Mark Wade book. It's always yep. nice to see. I'm, uh, I'm here for that. We got I Am Batman issue thirteen. We got Dark Crisis World with the Justice League. Wonder Woman issue one. Who's on this one? Actually, let's have a quick. Pete. I'm looking it up. I want to say it's Stephanie Phillips, but I might no, be No, it's Teeny Howard. Teeny Howard, okay. So Teeny Howard and Dan Waters are the right in the two so, stories. And Dan Waters is doing the Martian Manhunter. Oh, that might be worth it to read alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also next week we got Future State Gotham issue 17. The Flash, The Fastest Man Alive issue 1. Is this the one that's maybe tied into the movie? Yep. <laughs> I think it so is. Just throw into a fire. Yeah. Uh, Batman Hush, Batman Day special. Was Batman Day next week? Oh. Sure. <laughs> isn't it always the sad because i feel it's always when we record it's batman day yeah maybe that's why they're putting it out though well, maybe today's batman day i don't know yeah i don't know i don't see anything about it uh so yeah um uh, highlights for me uh next week uh definitely the new mark wade books my number one uh thing and you know yeah. bad girls has really been growing on me I, I do think it's been getting better so uh, I'm that. so I, I was gonna be out on wonder woman but do you see who's on the cover uh, I, I see maybe a cheetah, maybe a Barbara yeah. Ann variety. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to have to read this one. I, I'm just, you know, see how it goes. You don't have a lot of books next week, though, so you may as well. No, and that's why that's why I'm doing it, yeah. mainly. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I am a sucker for Barbara Ann. You can, tell, because you can tell we're on a cusp of a lot of new books launching, because it does feel a little bit late week to week right now, mm-hmm. but we know we've got a bunch of stuff launching in October, November, so, uh, yeah. Good things are coming, people. Good things are coming. Uh, so I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Plessis, David Sharp, Bordenow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Four Days. Uh, they are all uh, on our producer tier or higher over at patreon.com slash TV, where you can go and support the show and help make sure it keeps coming out uh, forever and ever and ever. And uh, at the five dollar tier, in particular, you get early access. You get it whenever it's ready on the Saturday night, as opposed to having to wait for the Sunday. If that's of interest, go and have a look. Uh, you can also support us by hitting the super thanks button. Uh, oh no, you can't do that on this channel. You can go over. To, you can go over to Mailfuzz TV or Mailfuzz Movies on those YouTube channels and hit the super thanks button if you want. Uh, but you can like, subscribe, ding the bell, uh, share out the audio, of course, rate the audio podcast on iTunes or wherever you podcast from. All those things do help out a lot. So uh, please uh, do so. Uh, get us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast, and you can uh, check out uh, all that stuff. Uh, also, catch me on Twitch if you want to. Uh, Twitch.tv/slash MailFuzzTV. Um, 
we have fun over there. We play video games, we do watch parties for movies, things like that. If that's of interest. Uh, but uh, otherwise, that is that is pretty much us. Uh, that is episode three two two of the show. Um, hopefully you had a good time. Uh, keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. And if you do, hyper time will fix itself. You'll be fine. <laughs>